my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Kia ora koutou, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we are recapping another win for the All Blacks against the Welsh. And unfortunately, the scoreline did blow out in the end. Despite being down 18-3 at the half, I thought they were in for it. But nonetheless, I'll flick the mic back to my guest, Hugh Bainan, and get his thoughts on what transpired in yesterday's action. Kia uh, We weren't too far off, were we? What did we say that Wales would be competitive for 45 minutes? Um, brought that back from the usual 60 because of all their injuries and, and players who are unavailable. Uh, and then the All Blacks would run out the score. I thought they were competitive for 45 minutes. and I, I ne- Not at one point in the game did they look like taking a lead or winning it. Let's be very clear. Not at one point did I was I sitting there watching going, here, here we go, we've got a chance here. Um, because that it never looked like that. Uh, but I thought they were competitive for the first 45 minutes. And then, um, yeah, see you later. Jeez, that second half, those last 20 minutes were something to behold. You know, it was like that scene in Anchorman where you're just like, I'm not even mad. This is amazing. Like, I was like that. I was, my dad was at the game, I think, like I mentioned in the last episode, and he, he messaged me saying, full time, please, at, at the 55-minute mark. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think he could see what was about to transpire. And, geez, did it transpire or what? Those tries were phenomenal. That Will Jordan try, actually really similar to a try by Louis Rees-Zamet, the, one of the Welsh starting wingers who couldn't play because he plays for an English club earlier in the year against Scotland. Mm-hmm. Almost identical. Uh, beautiful to watch that try. Bone Barrett was phenomenal. But, yeah, I mean, the All Blacks were just too good, right? Alan Wynne Jones going off after what 20 minutes or something certainly didn't help. Um, and then they lost uh, Ross Moriarty as well. You can say what you want, and I'm sure there's Welsh fans out there saying what they'd want about refereeing decisions in the first half. I don't think it made too much of a difference. I thought some of them were some were some real head scratches for sure. Uh, but I'm not sure it made too much of a difference. All blacks were a different class on the day. And from a Welsh point of view, uh, here's hoping that they can get a whole bunch of players back for the game against South Africa next week. Yeah, well, it's not ideal when you throw an intercept in the first five minutes. And I think if you look we back over it, right? I swear we <laughs> talked about Bowden Barrett scoring intercept tries or at least a little throwaway line about it. He does it all the time against Wales. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have written it any better the fact that he got on the scoreboard first. Yeah. And I, I, like you mentioned, I thought that he did play really well. I thought that there was a bit of bias when it went into that player of the day voting, though. I thought Ardi Sevilla was phenomenal. But yeah. I think that Bowden Barrett wasn't too far. Yeah, 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 exactly. It sort of went into the whole, um, the whole script, so to speak, um, with that game. But yeah, like I think if you look back over the course of the All Blacks loss column, you just cannot let the All Blacks one get on the scoreboard first, and then two get into a bit of a rhythm. And Mm -hmm. I thought the Welsh battled admirably. Um, Like I said, particularly that open side. Can you mention anything about it? Was it Tane Basham? Like yeah, like I love yeah. I love the attitude that he played with. Like he was probably the only one outside of the more experienced followers, like you said, Moriarty and Alan Wynne Jones, and unfortunately those guys ended up going off that didn't look um sort of overawed by the moment. I mean, it's one thing to turn up and be um, you know, on your game, but then to, I think the you need to go into it with the psyche where it's almost like a fuck you to the all blacks. 
Yeah. And he played like it. Like I, you could see there a couple of times, I think he got into a bit of a push and shove where he was standing over guys. Like he's, he made his presence felt. It was just unfortunate that the other dozen players around him didn't quite match his intensity. Yeah. We mentioned it before, didn't we? That uh, I, well, I thought that some of those youngsters might come in with that fearless attitude, having never played the All Blacks, having never gone through that. And they might just come in. And then Tane Basham certainly did that. You mentioned Alan Wynne-Jones, so he went off in the 18th minute, yet at half time he was still Wales's top tackler, which just shows you how phenomenal he is and how phenomenal his work rate is for a man mm-hmm. in his 161st Test match um, to still be throwing around more tackles than anyone in 18 minutes uh, and compared to the rest of them playing 40. Yeah, Tane Basham was great. He, he made a couple of nice runs as well uh, later in the game. Uh, Nisbo was loving him. On the commentary, Tame Basham, remember the name, I think he said, which was great. I mean, he'll now, I imagine, take a back seat because the likes of um, Tipperick, Justin Tipperick, Talupe Falatau, et cetera, will come back. But hey, he's put his hand up. So I don't think he'll go too far down the back of the bus. Uh, no, Wayne exactly. um in reckoning. But yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those games because, you know, if that was a fully strength Welsh side, I turn up to those games and I sit there and we talked about the history of not winning since 53 and, and I sit there and I'm on edge and I'm like, Oh my God. And I, you know, I live and die with every whistle, with every decision and everything. But that one was something quite therapeutic about just sitting there going, well, we're not going to win this one because 20 players are away. So I'm just going to sit there and enjoy this for what it is. Mm. Um, and I could, and I sat there and I'm like, it was almost a relief when they started to pull away. I was like, all right, cool. Now I can just sit back and just relax and watch some phenomenal tries, which that, and that kind of psyche is going to sound absolutely mental to a New Zealand fan, believe me. But similarly, when I first moved to New Zealand, it was the psyche of, you know, New Zealand would win by 25 points and all the stories mm. the next day on the news would be should have won by 40. Wasn't a great performance. Referees atrocious, you know, and I've yeah. been there going, you won by 20 points. Like I've, Growing up in the UK, Wales win, beat Ireland by one point and there's a party in the street, you know? Um, it's just like, get a win, you know? Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite nice just to sit back and enjoy what I thought was a pretty pretty good game of rugby. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of ones that didn't even cross the chalk right. I mean, you have to go back to the first half where Nepo Lalala should have scored his maiden test try. I don't think he's mm-hmm. ever going to get as great an opportunity as he did and then bobble it. And yeah. the one, I think it was about 10 minutes to go where the last pass from Mwanga didn't go to hand to Weber. I think it was a little bit behind him. And that would have been one of the like, great tries. Oh, yeah, well, but before that, you know, the the Sevu Reese try where I think Reese gets up the deck and throws about three different passes before like receiving the last before, one. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was just, it, it's that sort of stuff where I think people fall in love with the All Blacks and the way that they play. You know, take nothing away from the South Africans and the English who, are probably you know just behind the All Blacks in terms of success, but yeah, there's something when those All Blacks get clicking, and it does. It just seems like I was saying it to my mate the other day, you know, just talking around the likes of Bowden Barrett and Richie Moanga and um, Sam Kane and Adi Sevilla. You know, this team or these sorts of teams, they don't rebuild; they just reload. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, and and I and I wasn't sure because I mean I sort of missed the era of like the Cullens, the Lomus, the Bunsons, the Mertens. But, you know, I've been lucky enough to watch the likes of Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, Martinoni, Conrad Smith, and now, you know, Rick Wani, Bowden Barrett, Aaron Smith, Ben Smith, those sorts of guys where it's almost like we have generational talent just constantly coming through. And, I mean, I mean, the 2019 World Cup was that to a certain extent with us not winning it. The fact that, you know, 
I'd just become used to the All Blacks winning the World Cup. Because, I mean, I was old enough to recognize how big a loss 2007 was, but I don't think I quite grasped how much pain it actually egged on because I didn't experience the previous 20 years when we hadn't won it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now it seems like, yeah, once the All Blacks sort of got over that hill and guys in my generation aren't scared of those moments like the ones before 2007 that the talent just keeps coming through and the way that the All Blacks play the game, like nothing stops because it's just the way that we're raised to play it. And yeah, it, it, it was like I, like, like I did feel bad for the Welsh because like, like anyone who's played rugby, you, you're in those games where it's just like, you want the full-time whistle to go, but there's still half an hour on the clock and, yeah, <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. It's like the, there were a couple of times where the way the Welsh made a couple of great covering tackles. It's just that the All Blacks were getting away passes that no other team in the world, you know, I'd confidently say that um, could, could pull that sort of stuff off. It's, what, it's why it annoys me when on the very rare occasion that it doesn't work, right? Mm. This is why I'm a Bowden Barrett supporter through and through because on the very rare occasion where it's him throwing the intercept, right? Or they try and be expansive and it doesn't work and they lose to South Africa or Australia. Everything the next day is All Blacks game plan is out of whack, you know? Barrett, Barrett to showboaty or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like, guys, can we just take a, a bigger picture of you here? They've won like nine of the last 10 and they're racking up the scores and they're playing beautiful rugby. And yeah, one game, it didn't work. A few things go wrong and they lose a game, you know? And we hold them to such a high expectation. Yeah. But um, hey, I thought the Welsh try was good. <laughs> I thought it was a nice, you know, I, I was a little, not disappointed because, you know, Gareth Anscombe, would never have been starting that game if if Dan Bigger was was available or even Callum Sheedy. So the first two choice, first fives were weren't available for selection for Wales. So Anscombe had to come in after two years out of the game. But uh, so I wasn't disappointed in him. But I thought Reese Priestland when he came on um, instantly sparked a, a few things for at least five minutes before the All Blacks started just running straight through him. Uh, and that try was nice. That little kick through under the post for for Johnny Williams. Um, I thought that was a, a nice little try and. So when that happened, I was like, oh, good on them. They've got to try. Because I was sitting there going, oh, God, they're not even going to score a try. Um, yeah. I was happy when they got that try. Yeah, I, I sort of felt a bit bad for Anscom. Um, I mean, I know we mentioned the fact that he threw the intercept, but I think it's never a good sign when you're taking off a player or a game driver that early into the second half. But in fairness, I wasn't sure how much rugby he'd actually gotten under his belt before this game. Yeah, it was only um, a couple of club games for the, for the yeah, Ospreys. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe it was just one of those things where they were never going to play him more than 50 minutes. And they thought that with the way he was playing, not to say that he played atrociously, but yeah, I wouldn't, I can't pick out many good things of that either. But I saw a great, great tweet that said, uh, the All Blacks specialize in long term planning. No surprise that on his 100th test, Bowden Barrett's pair of tries were scored after receiving perfect passes from agents Anscombe <laughs> and McNichol. <laughs> The two Kiwis throwing passes to Bowden Barrett. <laughs> I actually thought Johnny McNichol was pretty good. Yeah, I thought him and Tane Basham were the Welsh, the two best Welsh players out there. You're not going to disagree with you there. Yeah, and I think, I mean, again, like when you, the All Blacks win by such a hefty margin and the, to play the way they played so free-flowing, it's hard to sort of nitpick anything. But I guess the talking point coming out of this game is going to be, does Bowden start against the Irish or are they going to give Richie Mwanga start against the Irish and then depending on you know say for example they do start Mwanga and he plays well who starts against the French yeah well who's going to give the biggest I mean are you, you, you your tone would suggest that 
the French is going to be a harder match than the Irish. You think it will be? I think so. There's, um, there is uh, something about France. And yeah, there's play, something like it can either go France. one or two ways. Like either the All Blacks are going to put up a score on like they again respectfully did um, yesterday against the Welsh, or they're going to make us um, sit on the edge of our seats for 70 minutes and then that last 10 minutes it's um, not to use the old cliche, but it's about probably who wants it more and who can execute. Yeah, it's funny just, because yeah, like Antoine Dupont, like all the highlights that I see of that guy online. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it's it's just different. Wales play France every year, right? So I mm. I don't have any reservations. They and they beat this beat them, you know, relatively comfortably this year in the Six Nations. I think France was France had three wins. They lost twice. Might have lost to Ireland. I think Ireland had three wins as well. Wales won the Six Nations with four. Um, so, yeah, I don't have that reservation that New Zealand fans do about playing France. Um, probably because you play them all the time. Whereas, you know, I have that more against playing Australia. Whereas the All Blacks play them all the time and beat them all the time. So it's no drama. Well, there's also that his- the, the, the historic element. The, the games that they have beat us in have yeah, been important matches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, so you're probably right. And then what... Ireland have only ever beaten the All Blacks once, and that was real, really recently. So twice, uh, twice they beat oh, them in America, now. and then they beat them in yeah. Ireland. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. still, yeah, I'm not. not I'm, They'll probably start Richie right against Ireland because I think so. Yeah, he's gonna have to get start at some point. And well, I, I think he'll start next weekend. And I, you know, from from what I've seen of the Six Nations, I mean, you'll know it better than me. I just felt that the French are going to present a bigger challenge. And I mean, Italy, again, respectfully, they're not they're, they're I'm hoping they get, they put up a better front than what the Americans do. And I, and I say they will because they'll probably have most of their top European, European players playing. But uh, that's just not going to happen. Um, but against the Irish, they'll put up a better challenge. And then I think that last test will be yeah, definitive. Even looking long term as to like what then happens next year. Because, I mean, who's to know what happens with the Blues? they got Roger Tuovasa shit coming. But in Barrett comes back into the fold and they built nicely and would have taken a lot of confidence out of that Super Rugby Tasman competition, Trans Tasman competition, and I mean the yeah. Crusaders are always going to be the Crusaders, but I just don't know how Ian Foster manages this because uh, out of all the positions on the field, first five's the one where you know it's almost like the quarterback. You can't really mess around with it in my eyes. You yeah. just have to let them have that time in the saddle and let them run the show because. I mean, they play similarly and then they don't to a certain extent. I mean, they're both very X-factory, but they have, it's like their own X-factor, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I, I mean, I'm just, a, I'm just such a Bowden Barrett guy. It's just mm-hmm. like, I feel when they, you know, when they tried to move him, they tried to make room for Moanga, so they started playing Bowden Barrett fullback. Yeah. It's like, if the man's so good, you have to have him on the, on the park, right? That's what, that, that's what that decision implies. This guy's too good to leave on the bench. Now Geordie's a fullback, so you're not going to put Bowden there. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've got to have him. You can't sit him on the bench for 60 minutes. He's too good to be sitting on the bench for 60 minutes. I mean, I mean you could probably make the same argument about Moana. Exactly. Like, well, well, that's that's the thing, yeah. Well, right? And you used to have Conrad, um, not Conrad, um, Carlos. Oh, yeah, Mertens and Carlos, yeah. yeah. And then Dan at 12, just to get him out on the park because um, he was so good. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I know, I've got to see, I mean, I say I've got to see more from Richie. I don't, Richie Moore was phenomenal, but for me, it's just Bowden Barrett. Yeah, well, I, I, and I get that. I mean, 
as like I mentioned last week, I thought that Moanga had done enough at the club level and had shown flashes at the international level that it warranted him being picked there. But I guess the thing in Bowden's corner, outside of playing 100 tests, you know, of those 100 tests, I think, what is it, the 30, you know, that you play 15 a year, 30 of them, um, he was that great in that he was voted the World Player of the Year back-to-back. And I know that that happened in the past, but again, not to throw up another old saying, but, you know, form is temporary class is permanent. And I think that showed in a game, albeit against a, a um, an undercooked and a second-tier Welsh team, but it's just like how you manage the egos. I mean, it looks like those guys get along really, really well. And it doesn't, I think, like the whole All Blacks ethos is putting the team first rather than the individual. But for me, just like looking at, you know, at that time when Bowden Barrett hadn't come back and he was going over to Japan, it was just those sorts of deals where that crazy sort of money's thrown around. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, weighing it up, I, I guess the All Blacks still, the All Blacks usually still has that pull power, but if you're Richie Mwanga, for example, and say 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 Bowden Barrett, you know he's 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 himself back out in front. I I don't know. I guess I, I'm trying not to get caught up in all the media hype, yeah. you know, from this past week. But if you're only getting 20 minutes, because I mean he only got on with about 10 minutes to go yesterday, um, and say that's the case moving forward over the next year, and it it sounds like and I don't know what his contract situation is, but he probably won't leave New Zealand until after the next World Cup. But does Moanga hedge his bets and then take off for a sabbatical? Yeah, I don't know, like that's a bit, I think it's. A, I don't know. Look, look at Damian McKenzie. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Damian McKenzie takes that deal if he knows he's the starting All Black fullback. But the problem was when Geordie Barrett came along, mm-hmm. he's just like, not that Damian McKenzie would have um, not taken a punt on himself, but. Damien McKenzie doesn't have the same experience that Bowden Barrett does. Like he's just, he's still about only 25, 26. So he's still probably got another two World Cups in him. And then like he's gonna be at the 2023 World Cup. He's just that type of player. And he's that um he's got that utility. He's that he's that sort of Mr. Fix it Swasami guy. You can play him anywhere, probably. You probably play, even play him at halfback given how small he is. But yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, but, but when you're that good, though, yeah. now, it's like, I think back to when Bowden Barrett wasn't starting. Way back when, right? So I'm a big Aaron, big Aaron Cruden fan. I was at Palmy Boys when, when he was at Palmy Boys. And um, he, you know, obviously, Aaron Cruden had to bite his time because of little known Carter. figure Dan Carter. Um, and then Aaron Cruden got, you know, became the starting All Blacks first five and was as a starting All Blacks first five should be. World class, yeah, one played, of the best in the yeah. world. Played 52, um, yeah. And then I was at that game where he hurt his neck. I think it was in Wellington against Wales he mm. hurt his neck and then uh Bowen Barrett came on <laughs> see you later <laughs> that was it like Cruden was out for a fair chunk of time and he never got the starting role back apart from the odd game here or there through injury or whatever and then he was like, all right I'm off to France you know um it, that's all it could take is an injury and then Richie Monger could be hands down the starting first five for the All Blacks for the next uh, you know, what's it, 27 for the next five, six years? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he takes that risk. You're right, though. Like, we're all, we're on the outside in. Those two might be real good mates on the inside who who go, oh, I've oh, got on you. You get to go this week. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming off the bench or whatever. You know, we don't know their yeah. mindset. We don't, we, the one thing the All Blacks, well, two things the All Blacks are phenomenal at. One is rugby. Two is disguising any dramas in any camp ever. And like, we wouldn't have a clue, right? Every camp seems yeah. the same. It's always the same messages coming out, the same, boom, boom, they're really good at that, that, that kind of thing. So 
um, as you as you and I know, it's not an easy thing to do in sport, and um, the All Blacks have mastered that for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't want this um, possibly into a bigger thing than what it is. It's just I know that at the start of the year when Bowden wasn't around, and then he came back, it was just like, how are you going to keep a guy of Barrett's stature on the bench for sixty minutes? Like like you mentioned, this is it almost seems inconceivable. Because I think, like, yeah. it got to the point of the Foster where he's just like, I can't run this this fullback thing because I'm going to get too much hate. And I guess he's got a bit more security now leading into that World Cup. And now it's just like Barrett's played that well that he set himself into the frame to where, you know, like no one's really going to dispute whether or not you pick either of them at 10, um, depending on, like, who you play, because the form warrants it. Um, but, you, like I said, I just don't feel like, you know, the quarterback position, the first five, is something that you can muck around with. So... What games do yeah. they have left? They've got Ireland. Is it what order are they in? Italy next week, Ireland, and then France last. Okay, so Richie Moran is probably going to start against Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Get him out there, give him because he hasn't played for a bit because of the birth of his child, and get him out there, give him maybe even eighty minutes against Italy. Um, and then the question is, who starts against Ireland? You're right; it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and if yeah. and if France is the so-called you know final of the of the tour. Um, like the you know, like the one they're building up to, then that's going to be really telling who Foster selects then. Exactly. Unfortunately, we don't have to make that decision, mate. We just jump on a podcast and we dispute it. And <laughs> if, it, <laughs> if it goes one way or the other, we're gonna um gonna crucify Ian Foster for it because that's the the perk of being the All Blacks coach. Um, but I yeah, Wales, <laughs> Wales had the selection headaches. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, mate, um, we'll wrap that up there. Just want to say thank you very much again for your time over the past couple of days and helping me with this podcast. Appreciate the anecdotes that you dropped as well. And the last one talking about how special it is um, or how special rugby is over in Wales and giving me that sort of insight, mate. So um, yeah, from now until I see you again in the basketball circles, take care of yourself and yeah, hopefully the Welsh get another one on the board before the year's done. Yeah, thanks, mate. This next time we'll do it around a, a much more competitive match, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan, mate. Catch you later.